So now, super nerd, now we turn to your area of expertise. It's the end of the world as we know it. I feel fine. Today is Friday, November 18th, 2022. Time for episode 183 of the Barnhart Podcast. I don't know if this is the last Barnhart Podcast before the end of the world, but there are so many signals flying around that makes it wonder... It makes you wonder, the chastisement's got to be here soon because between uh, sins in the church and sins in the financial industry and all the craziness going on, we don't have, we can't have that much more time, can we? I mean, how much more stupid can we get as a species? Well, it's funny. I posted, um, I've reposted over the last few days kind of my entire oeuvre on monetary theory, and a lot of it was written about 10 years ago, you know, MF Global, all of that. Um, 2011, 2012, I'm writing about all this stuff. And I was just sitting and thinking back and rereading these essays and thinking how we thought 10 years ago, good grief, we have to be getting close. It can't get much worse. And just just think about how much worse it's it's has indeed gotten in the last 12 years. I mean, it's they're chopping little kids genitals off They're the the trannies are taking over everything there's not going to be women's sports anymore and that's an entire trad debate in and of itself that you know maybe that's maybe the the chastisement of butching girls up having them you know act like boys playing basketball and so on and so forth is is going to be destroyed but it's going to be destroyed by drag queens oh the the latest one a little girl got just clocked in the head and and apparently quite severely injured because some boy who dresses in drag at school joined the girls volleyball team and you know almost almost killed this this little girl and yeah volleyball spike right in the face caused traumatic uh, brain injury from what i heard and also a severe neck injury as well and yeah yeah. the, the video is pretty vicious yeah i mean and with everything lining up, stole, I mean, obviously stolen elections, a, usurped, um, a usurpation in the Vatican, an anti-pope. Um, I mean, I, at this point, oh, 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 by the way, oh, uh, more than half of the, of the surface population of humanity injected with what appears to be a um, slow grind lethal poison slash sterilant. I mean, really, is it okay? I, I, I chastised myself 10 years ago, and you were jumping the gun. It, you should have said, yeah, we're on a, we're on a longer timeline than I said. Although I want to say that maybe I was saying five to 10 years. And, you know, I, I guess that wasn't, that wasn't too bad. I, I, I seem to remember myself saying because i remember being at a dinner and it was in western kansas and i so i i want i want to say that at that time i was saying five to ten years 20 tops which i mean that would put us that would put us kind of in the window but again you know we've got a heck of a chastisement coming as you know the post-christian west in general um 
so who knows how long how long our Lord is going to allow this to grind on. Um, kind of looping back to to previous conversations, you know, um, I remember that Nonveni Mark and Dr. Matza and I immediately jumped out of our skin and said, we have to record a podcast episode when Archbishop Vigano came out and said that Donald Trump was was the catacon of Second Thessalonians two was the great restrainer, and we're all just sitting there, you know, pulling pulling our hair out and saying, what what you can't be that stupid. You cannot be that stupid. Dr. Matza and of course I think the rest of us kind of agree that if we're going to say that the catacon of Second Thessalonians two is anyone in this world, it's the Pope, and Pope Benedict is still alive. So you know he's i think he's he's fading fast it sure looks like he's fading fast um he's 95 but i just every 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 day is an opportunity it's an opportunity for repentance it's an opportunity to get more people into the church it's an opportunity to tighten everything up you know and um and and it's an opportunity to do good it's an opportunity to even do even some mildly heroic good if we can and of course our little apostolate here is um warning people jumping up and down hopefully getting people some good information about you know things you can do ivermectin all of that um i i i know for a fact from my email box that that has helped people that has seriously seriously helped people so i'm grateful for the, for the opportunity to do that but every day is an opportunity. Every day is an opportunity for this anti-papacy to be ended. It would all it would take is for someone in a position of authority. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna grasp at straws here. I'm just making this up, just off the top of my head. Say like a, I don't know, like a deposed prefect of the apostolic signatura. I mean, I'm just grasping at straws here. All it would take is all someone like that would have to do is call a press conference and say significant canonical irregularities have been identified with regards to the putative resignation proffered by Pope Benedict in February of 2013. Pending further investigation, I hereby declare a state of emergency suspense. That's all it would take. Well, Cardinal Q and Bishop Hopium did have a, um, a, a joint statement recently saying that the laity need to resist heresy in the, in the church and in the hierarchy. I don't think that qualifies for what you were just saying, right? Well, I mean, it's it, they're, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, and it makes absolutely no sense. It's irrational. I posted on the blog, I went to a talk recently, very, very prominent trad speaker. Everybody would know this guy's name. He's there. He takes questions at the end of his talk, and I jump up and say, and oh, at the end of his talk, he said, and I wish I could get my hands, he read his speech verbatim off of paper. He did not speak extemporaneously. So the text of this address exists somewhere and I could get the exact quote, but I don't wanna say quote, but I'm paraphrasing very, very, very closely here. I'm just doing a little CYA. He said, we all need to get used to the idea of being in schism record scratch um wait a minute what are you talking about you swear up and down that bergoglio was the pope you won't let anybody even ask the question 
about the, the juridical canonical validity of what Pope Benedict Ratzinger tried to do in February of 2013, because that would be schismatic. That's what these people keep saying. But you stand on a dace in front of a room full of movers and shakers, trads, and say, without even the slightest blush, we all need to get used to the idea of being in schism. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, which is it? You're, on, you're standing on a dais advocating for, last time I checked, mortal sin. Schism is mortal sin. Okay, you're just saying, you just said, we need, we all need to do this. We all need to commit mortal sin. And it doesn't occur to you that maybe you should pump your brakes and ask yourself, hmm, I wonder if my base premise here is true. I'm standing on a dais in front of a bunch of movers and shakers and saying we all need to get used to the idea of being in schism. Huh, this, this seems wrong. This seems a little bit off. Maybe I need to think this through. But, oh, I just told everybody in the room we all need to get used to the idea of being in schism. But don't you dare ask any questions about anything that happened in February of 2013, because that would be, wait for it, wait for it, that would be schismatic. You see, all of this internal contradiction, these people spinning their wheels and beating their heads against walls and talking out of both sides of their mouth and violating the law of non-contradiction. You can't be in schism, but we all have to be in schism. I, I mean, I, are you kidding me? And you cannot see the logical inconsistency here. I mean, these people aren't being paid that much money to be that afraid of losing their income. I'm sorry. You could get, you could get all kinds of jobs to replace the very mediocre incomes that these people have. Let, let's be honest. I mean, you could go sell insurance. You could go get a real estate license. There's all kinds of things that you could do that would probably more than make up for the mediocre money that these professional trad academic type people have. And they are, they just live in complete, apparently, complete abject terror of losing, I don't know, maybe 80 grand a year? Maybe? Maybe? I, it's just, it, it for whales, you know, I'm thinking back to the movie, for whales, for 80 grand a year, you, you just, you can't see this, you can't work your way through this, you don't trust God enough, you don't trust God enough to replace 80 grand a year. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. I have a I have a morbid sense of humor clearly, but you don't trust God enough that he'll replace 80 grand a year. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> well, I won't be joining you in schism. I'll be staying in union with Pope Benedict um as long as he's alive. <laughs> and um uh, we're not going to be going and making any presentations or declarations about how the papacy has been a big 2,000-year-long horrific mistake or anything like that. That would be just a touch arrogant, just a little bit of hubris in that. But, yeah, I mean, everything's coming together. 
and what we're going to start with, because Nurse Claire is here, Nurse Claire is here, and what? Oh I yeah, I forgot, to, I forgot to introduce yeah, her because yeah, Nurse Claire's here. <laughs> it's a, it's a crazy Friday night, and and I've got a new audio set up, and I'm trying to get all my notes together. I was like, oh, I totally forgot to introduce the nurse from the other side of the river. So, yes, yeah, she's here. <laughs> she's here because. <laughs> And again, maybe maybe at this point, the laughing and the chuckling is that weird, traumatic, inappropriate laughter than people that people do when things just get really ugly. But we, Nurse Claire, stumbled on a thing this week um, about immune systems. Nurse Claire, my dear, would you like to fill the listenership in on uh, this core show that you discovered this week? Yes. So um, I came home from Mass on Sunday thinking I was going to have this day of rest. Um, and I found an article that's been accepted for publication. It, so it was a preprint, what I read. <clears throat> and that just simply means um, something's been submitted. It's been accepted for publication. There might be some minor modifications made to it. So the preprint isn't technically the final form, mm -hmm. but the gist of it will be the same. So. That's, I feel, even though it's not been officially published, I feel pretty confident in sharing it with people. So um, this paper, <laughs> it's very interesting. It, there were nine investigators listed on this paper and, I'm sorry, there were 10. Nine of them are from the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and one is from UCLA. So these are not institutions that would be opposed to the vaccine or contrary to the official COVID narrative. Oh, um, no. Oh, no. This study was also funded by the NIH, so, mm -hmm. <laughs> hmm, which to me, it, it tells you that... Um, what they found, which I'll get to that in a second, is so bad that they can't even try to sugarcoat it, right? Um, so this study wanted to examine the amount of CD34 um, positive hematopoietic stem cells in umbilical cord blood. So basically what that means, hematopoietic stem cells are um, immature cells that that can then transform into they have the ability to transform into any kind of blood cell that the body needs so white blood cell red blood cell platelets and these um, stem cells are present with in your body and my body but not they are nowhere near as plentiful as they are in the umbilical cord blood after a baby is born so it's a great way to um to examine uh to looking at that blood is a great way to examine how these cells are doing um in people which is what the study looked at women who were either covid vaccinated had had a previous covid infection or women who were completely not not previously infected and not vaccinated. So that's what they so wanted to three. look at. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So they recruited um, again. This was done in Alabama at UAB. They recruited. I'm checking my notes. 111 women. 
So they divided them into these groups. So again, there were there were three main groups and then they had some subgroups there within, but the the one group they refer to as the negative group. So no vaccine, no prior infection. Okay. And they they measured prior infection by actually looking for IgG or serum antibodies in these women to see that they had been previously infected. Mm-hmm. So these were women who, the, the negative group, they were confirmed to have never had COVID and never have had a vaccine. There were 39 women that fell into that category. And then the second group were women who were unvaccinated but had a history of COVID infection. That was 40 women. And then there were, the, the vaccinated group was 32. And I don't want to get too technical because this, I mean, the paper goes into great detail about different (laughs) mediators and cytokines and all of this. But the long story short is, it turned out the women who had had previous COVID infection, their babies, um, the hematopoietic stem cells in the umbilical cord blood of their babies, um, those stem cells were reduced in number and were dying. They were undergoing apoptosis, which is when a cell dies. However, the women who were vaccinated were much, much worse off. And the authors of this paper examine this because oftentimes people will um, donate and bank umbilical cord blood because these stem cells then will be used for other people who are undergoing treatment for various types of blood cancers and so the authors of these now wait just a a question is the cord blood the mother's blood or the baby's blood? it's the baby's blood okay gotcha okay um so, so they were looking at this in terms of its implication on using umbilical cord blood for treatments for diseases but um i'm looking at this and i'm and and what they also found was that these the stem cells that did survive they had more of a propensity to develop into red blood cells and platelets but not so much into white blood cells so you could definitely extrapolate and they sort of alluded to it in this paper and you could also extrapolate on your own that these babies of vaccinated women are not they do not have the ability to properly develop a robust immune system. And so now what we're hearing, of course, is all of the RSV, um, all of the increased sickness in children. Some of those children are vaccinated, but some of them are babies who belong to vaccinated mothers. And, you know, the authors of the paper, they sort of, they use this language that's kind of vague because they don't want to say outright what they're saying. Um, But you can read the paper and really get a sense that these people are shocked and profoundly disturbed at what they uncovered. Um, So So there are babies (laughs) being born to vaccinated mothers who basically have no inherent propensity to produce white blood cells. 
Yes, they're, they do have, yeah, they have white blood cells, but their immune system is definitely negatively impacted by this. And also it begs the question because they describe the process of the cytokine mediators that they found that are affecting these stem cells. So then the question is, if you're giving this vaccine to an adult, can't the same process happen to adults? And I would submit to you, based just on clinically what we're seeing with how people are particularly the vaccinated, they're getting very sick. Any little thing that comes down the pike, these people are constantly sick, yeah. constantly sick. Now, back to the RSV subject quickly. And what does RSV um, stand for again for RS the listenership? RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus. Mm -hmm. When I was an undergraduate nursing student in the 1990s, I learned about RSV in my pediatrics rotation because RSV typically causes this, the common cold. Mm -hmm. However, in babies and very young in infants and newborns, it can be um, it can be very serious because they typically are nose breathers. Um, so they get a lot of nasal congestion. It can also cause bronchiolitis, which is inflammation in the airways, but anyone who's beyond infancy usually handles RSV without really even batting an eye. Um, unless your child was an ex preemie that has some lung damage from due to prematurity, they may struggle with RSV in their childhood. But for the general population, this is not an issue. So this it's is never, yeah. it's a cold is exactly right. Now, what I'm seeing clinically this year, we're testing adults for RSV. I just had a patient this this week who was admitted October 27th to my hospital um, with severe RSV. This woman had multiple episodes throughout her hospitalization where they called a code and thought about putting her on a ventilator and blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking at this woman, I'm thinking, since when is an adult, and she's negative for COVID, by the way, they did test her for COVID, she does not have COVID. Now, I, I'm not, I don't even really see patients in the hospital testing positive for COVID at this point. It's RSV. So these adults are getting very sick from this. It, it, this study, I think, in my opinion, and again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert, I'm just somebody reading this paper that has some understanding of, of what they're looking at. This paper is um, the ground, it's laid the groundwork, someone needs to look into this, the impact on adult, the immune system in mature you know, adults, not sure. neonates. Um, but it's pretty profound. And I what don't is hospital, think they're what's hospital capacity looking like right now to your to your eye? Um, my hospital, we do not have patients stacked up in the hallways, um, or anything like that. We are busy, for sure. However, part of that is just seasonality. We're always busy this time of the year because um, 
people it, it, towards the end of the year, people try to get their elective surgery done if they haven't met their deductible yet. So the operating mm. rooms do get busy towards the end of the year. Um, and then also flu season and that sort of thing. So this time of the year does tend to be pretty busy. The children's hospital where I live is they've got a 10 hour wait time in the emergency room and they have tents set up outside to accommodate um, an additional flow of patients. Now, so in the, it's, I mean, and your, your question is valid, but it has a complicated answer. So some of mm -hmm. this is due to patient volume, but some of it's also due to nursing shortages. If you're a patient in the ER and you need to be admitted and there's no nurses working on one of the general floors in the hospital to accept you as a patient, you're going to sit in the ER. Mm -hmm. So patients, ERs are getting backed up because there's no nurses working on the general floors in the hospital to accept these patients. So hospitals have had to reduce their bed capacity and close nursing units because they don't have staff for those beds. So, And again, that's because so many quit because of the death injection? Some, a lot of people quit from the vaccine mandates. A lot of people quit because they didn't want to do this anymore um, and, and just deal with everything that's going on. But the other interesting thing, when I graduated nursing school in the late 90s, I was getting all of the nursing journals. And if any nurses are listening, they'll know what I'm talking about, like RN Magazine and Nursing 99 and all, all of the American Journal of Nursing. Those magazines, those journals are, I think, still in my mother's attic. Um, but at that time, they were predicting a huge nursing shortage between the years 2015 and 2020. Hmm. So because baby boomers were aging and mm -hmm. boomer nurses were going to retire but also patients boomers were going to become consumers of healthcare. so there was going to be um, a decrease in in the workforce but an increase in the consumer mm -hmm. so this was all predicted and i think it's really interesting how you know, 25 years ago, I would look at those articles and think, oh, yeah, okay, well, that's forever from now, you know, but now here we are. What happened in 2020? COVID hit. And we laid off people, we laid off nurses, some of them went and did other things. Um, we offered retirement to those who were eligible for retirement. And then ones even ones who weren't eligible for retirement, a lot of them took Early, I can't tell you how many of the pre-op nurses I work with who weren't really ready to retire ended up retiring. They took mm -hmm. early retirement. And we kept sitting in these empty hospitals being told that we were going to get slammed with all of these COVID patients. They never came and they laid people off. And now that we have all of these sick and vaccine injured people, mm -hmm. we don't have any staff. So it's it's a very multifaceted issue, um, but you bring yeah. up the vaccine injured. Um, yep. What are you What are you seeing? Is it still a steady stream of suddenly and and clots and all that crap? Uh, strokes, heart attacks, arrhythmias, and a lot of cancer. 
a lot in of young, cancer. In young people, right? Yes. Are you seeing a disproportionate yes. number of young people? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, So here we are. <laughs> here we are. I think it's all by design. I think it's pretty clear that... Um, you know, the the psychopath who's the owner, the CEO of um, Moderna, um, Ben Sell, um, he has made it clear for years. He is not a, a um, he's not a doctor. He's not a medical guy. He comes out of IT and he made it very clear when he founded Moderna that he was intending to base it upon the software subscription paradigm that he wants people subscribing to vaccines in exactly the same way that you have to pay an annual subscription for Microsoft Office, Adobe Acrobat, uh, antivirus, no, no pun intended, but kind of sort of intended, antivirus programs for your computer, that he felt that what he was going to build was going to be that. And so in order to do that, it seems to me, and this this meshes exactly with the you know the new world order the world economic forum the anti church with their malthusian population reduction project is that you marry the two together you you fry everybody's immune system you kill the ones that are weak quickly that's what suddenly is um, and then you um, you fry the immune systems of the rest of the people that scares the the bejubers out of out of everyone else because they see everyone around them sick and then you get it to where you've got basically the entire population of the earth sh having having mandatorily quarterly to show up and get injected with Moderna's latest concoction um, and Pfizer and Moderna just announced I think I might have mentioned this on the last podcast the um, as of 2023, they're saying that these death injections are no longer going to be free or nearly free. Um, the number I saw, the Pfizer number, I believe, is 130 per dose. So they're what I was told, what I saw, what I read was that is that's a fourfold increase in price, and you know, presumably people who are still under these mandates and so forth, and who are stupid enough stupid enough, first and foremost, to keep going back for more of this poisonous. Um, there it's it's gonna be a buck thirty a dose. Um, and and ironically, I think that the actual they were the actual production cost for Pfizer and Moderna is is literally a dollar and thirty cents per dose and they're charging $130 as of 2023. But that this is the, in the first wave, in the first phase of the whole thing, it was coming through the government. And <laughs> it's it was probably, this is going to foreshadow the second part of this episode of the Barnhart podcast, it was probably now being laundered through this, this Bitcoin, this FTX thing, because apparently everything else was being laundered through this, this um, cryptocurrency thing that has collapsed. Um, so phase one is you get, you know, the people to pay for it through federal taxes. Now they're just going to come after you directly. They're going to come after, you know, these these dupes who are going to be dumb enough to go and get more of this garbage. And it's 
It's the largest crime against humanity. It's the largest wealth transfer, it seems to me. I mean, this is going to be, we, we've got to be getting close at this point on a global scale to this being, we got to be flirting with this being a trillion dollar operation when you count Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, all of, all of these companies and the billions and billions that they have that they have reaped out of this over the last three years and it's it and it continues apace i mean we're gonna we're gonna hit a trillion dollars that but just big pharma has pocketed off of this so yep the other little footnote i'll add to all of this look for the died suddenly to just continue to climb the, yeah. this is not going away because what people need to remember there was a study done, I think, was it 5,000 people? I can't even remember. I, I read so much, I lose track. But um, there was a study done, they looked at all vaccinated people. I think there was several thousand of them. Every one of them had an elevated troponin level indicating damage to the heart muscle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whether they had clinical symptoms of myocarditis or not, they, they had. So the conclusion there is that these people are all, all walking around with some degree of a subclinical myocarditis. And what you need to remember about that is that that scars the heart muscle. And life expectancy then for I think five to 10 years is around 20%. So in and, and the mus the scarred muscle then becomes a source of arrhythmia. So a lot of these people the ones who are dropping dead of massive blood clots are one thing, but I suspect strongly that a lot of, um, particularly the athletes that you see who are dropping dead on the field, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's an arrhythmia related to a scarred heart muscle, which came out of the myocarditis. So the the died suddenly, I don't think we've reached the peak of that yet. I don't think we're anywhere close. Oh, no. It's going to continue to climb. And I'm sorry to say that. I hope that I'm wrong. I really do. But I don't think so. So when Klaus Schwab says you will own nothing, he's even referring to your immune system. Yes, that is correct. Yep. Your own bodily autonomy. You will you will no longer have control over that. And I, what echoing what Nurse Claire just said about the myocarditis and the heart damage, I think, you know, if you've got more than 5 billion human beings injected with this crap, and if it does, in fact, fry the immune system, then the deed is already done. And again, it breaks my heart. You've got people emailing in all the time. What, what do we take to reverse the effects of the death injection? You don't. This isn't Star Trek. This isn't Dr. McCoy in sickbay. Oh, you know, having to find um, the cure for some alien, alien poison in six hours or we're all dead. And, you know, he and he and he does it every time and there's no side effects and everybody lives happily ever after. Guys, this isn't TV. It's not what this no, is. No, this isn't sci-fi. This is no. not science fiction. I mean, we talk about things like... I take dandelion, I put dandelion extract in my water every day. Not that I've had any death injection, but I think it's possible that there's shedding and of, of 
vaccinated people shedding things. Pfizer was has been talking about this for years, about developing vaccines that shed so that you only had to inject a small percentage of a population and they would just spread it. To, they would spread a vaccine to everybody else. Pfizer's been writing about this. I've posted about this on my blog. It's all there. Use the search box. Um, um, you know, this this has all this is all part of the plan. There's no quick fix. You can take things, you know, I mean, obviously, the second I feel a sniffle, and this happened a few weeks ago, I felt a sniffle come on, I started high dosing ivermectin and mega dosing vitamin D. Um, I think I was taking, you know, like 25,000 units a day of, of vitamin D. And I think you can even go higher than that, but not for too long. I believe that's what you, you told me, Nurse Claire, is, you know, mega dose the vitamin D, but don't yep. mega dose it on and on and on and on. Just, you know, do it for a few days. Right. And it did. It totally knocked whatever bug I had. And it had that telltale, that, you know, that thing in the back of your throat. And you feel it and you're like, oh, man, here we go. And I knocked it out, but I mean, that that's me getting a cold, you know? We're talking about people who have been injected, most of them repeatedly injected with poison. Guys, taking dandelion extract is not, is not gonna fix that. This, the, the, the deed is done. When you, when you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. And that's, that's what this is. And I think that, I think we're all in agreement that this very, very probably is the fulfillment of Our Lady's words that entire nations will be annihilated. Between, between heart damage, clots, fried immune systems, and sterility, um, yeah, I could see on a 50-year timeline that, um, yeah, I, I think that the post-Christian West could suffer a, a cataclysmic wipeout, something akin to, you know, like the Black Death in Europe in the Middle Ages, something like that, where, I mean, when, that, when the Black Death went through Europe, I think more than half the population died. I want to say it was two-thirds. There are two-thirds, and like... 75 to 80 percent of the clergy died because of course they were the ones who were going and and serving the sick and helping the sick and it was a death sentence for them um so yeah i i think that we're looking i don't think we're looking at a, an, ex, an extinction level event um uh, but i do think that we're looking at something that could rival or possibly even exceed in certain areas depending on upon how widespread the death injections were and are and continue to be and how much longer this goes on that could rival the black death and i want to point out something real quick you mentioned there about the the number of clergy who died 75 80 percent during the black plague they went and ministered to people knowing it was going to be a death sentence. Yeah. And how many priests refused to have mass, unlock their doors, or even make sick calls during COVID? Yep. 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 Exactly. Well said. Caring for the sick should be the province of the church. That's one of the reasons that we're in this massive, massive, terrible situation that we're in is because the church in the 20th century handed all of this off to government and sickeningly and i've talked about this before on the podcast great example of this is where i grew up 
the Sisters of Charity of Leavenworth, Kansas, who, you know, all about the hospitals, all about the nursing. Um, today, it's a bunch of hideous dykes, and they are. They're a bunch of hideous dykes. Only the, only the super elderly ones who are dying look like women. The rest of them are dykes and have been dykes for decades and decades. And the Sisters of Charity of Leavenworth is a for-profit middleman between the healthcare consumer and the government. They are a multi-billion dollar for-profit corporation. They have a Fitch bond rating the whole nine yards. It is, it is a horrific, sickening, just corruption and bastardization of what should be one of the primary corporal works of mercy. And that's why they've all gotten in bed with this. They're all gung-ho about this. They see nothing but dollars, dollars, dollars coming out of this. Um, they're, they're in bed with these horrible people. They're in bed with these corporations and big pharma. It's, um, it's just disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Well, on that happy note, uh, <laughs> do we have, any more, <laughs> have we pretty much uh, beaten that topic to death or is there still some more nuance to flesh out? Nurse Claire, was there anything else that we wanted to talk about? We talked about the study. And oh, by the way, for any of the listenership that is, you know, medical in your in your profession, we'll put that in the show notes and you can read that whole Absolutely. paper. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, you can eat that up and, and share it. Um, and tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, if someone reaches a different conclusion, but I don't know, it was pretty obvious to me. It's bad. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. <sighs> yep. I think, uh, I think that's enough talking about health, health care for this episode, I think. What's next, Super Nerd? Oh, I have no idea. My notes are all over the place because... Um... I, we had notes for another day, and then then we scrubbed the recording, and then um, Nurse Claire was jumping up and down and saying, "We got to talk about this," mm-hmm. so we're talking about it. Um, I mean, my notes are like I said are all over the place. Um, I had Fen Fenben on here. We didn't talk about that. Oh, Fenben, Fenben, that's right. Um, I get a lot of emails, Nurse Claire, from people talking about Fenben, and I've received a couple from people who saying that the, saying that they have taken it, and it has wait for it, cured cancer. And we're talking about like stage three type cancer, not, not, you know, catching it early or anything like that. Pretty serious, amazing stuff. What do you know, if anything, about Fenbin? Uh, I don't have any personal experience with it. I have read probably the same things that you have read. I have colleagues who also... I have a little network of unvaccinated colleagues from all over the country that I keep in touch with, and we all are pretty like-minded on the direction things are taking. But is there, there, is there a secret also... hand signal or something to indicate <laughs> you're uh, unvaccinated? <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm... If you're What's unvaccinated, it? I don't know. The sign hmm. of the cross. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, this this gang, they... Um, they do advocate for Fenben. I, as I said, I don't have personal experience with it. However, if I were to be diagnosed with something, I would take it. I would definitely. It, it seems to me worthy of giving it a try based on the things that I've read. And once again, it is like ivermectin. Its primary yep. label uh, application and use is that it's a quote-unquote antiparasitic. 
Mm -hmm. It's 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 not ivermectin. It's not the same thing. It's a different thing, but it is an antiparasitic. So it seems interesting to me that there must be some sort of a correlation between being able to break down uh, because the way ivermectin works as an antiparasitic is that I think that it like with small worms, worms that are crawling around in your bloodstream and all that kind of stuff. Um, that it it breaks down their cell walls and things like that so they can't they can't maintain structural integrity somehow uh, now i'm just speculating here i don't know but it seems to me that maybe what's going on with these parasitics is that they have that same kind of effect on on tumors on tumoric you know cancer cells and so for whatever reason um, probably the divine providence and god's mercy and goodness here are these compounds which are able to seek out, find, and break down not only worms and invasive, you know, creepy crawly creatures that are inside of you, but also in a similar way are able to target and break down tumors. So yes, I'm, I've had, and it, it's a wide, it is a widely used antiparasitic. Again, kind of a similar story to ivermectin. It is a drug. It's not uh, it doesn't have any hideous side effects that I've seen. If you can get your hands on it and you yes. have cancer, if I had cancer, I'd take it. I'd definitely yep. take it. I would too. Yeah. It, it's available over the counter. Um, you can find it online very easily. And the conversation I had with the other, my other unvaccinated colleagues, we were discussing that, um, it might get suppressed kind of or get yeah. hard to find so if you don't have cancer good i'm glad but maybe buy some and stash it away um and also remember the interesting thing just prior to covid just prior to covid there were a lot of studies being done looking at ivermectin as a cancer treatment yeah. too yep. so absolutely um there's something there that someone doesn't want us to pick up on, I think. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And the full name of this drug, I mean, people to abbreviate it, call it Fenben, but it's Fenbendazole, F-E-N-B-E-N-D-A-Z-O-L-E, which is kind of a mouthful, Fenbendazole. But if you go to a search engine and type in F-E-N-B-E-N, it will auto-complete to the rest of it if you can't remember fenbendazole but it's fenbendazole so yeah i mean i've got it it's i just typed it up into a into a search engine here and it's fenbendazole cancer fenbendazole rabbits um mm -hmm. apparently it's it's widely used in it's a in big veterinary rabbit. yeah yeah cats cool. dogs everything mm -hmm. it's widely used in um veterinary medicine but you can find human pills on that online big giant thing that shall go unnamed, but starts with yes. an A. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be something to look at and low-key get into your personal medicine stash. Yeah, because they probably will go after it. So now, super nerd, now we turn to your area of expertise. Um, everyone is all a flutter talking about the collapse of this 
money laundering thing, um, masquerading as a cryptocurrency exchange. But every day, the news on this is just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. I mean, it, it's all totally tied in with the Ukraine operation. So Biden gives billions and billions and billions to Ukraine. Zelensky, the sodomite president of, um, of Ukraine, turns around, takes that money, puts it in this um, cryptocurrency exchange. They then turn around and just give millions and millions and millions of dollars to Democrat candidates. The guy who was the head of it was the second largest political donor, second only to George Soros. Um, so he, he had donated like 85 million in this last election cycle and Soros had donated 120 million, something like that. Are you talking about Bankman? Uh, yeah, yeah. The head of the, what's it called? FTX? FTX. The head of FTX, this, oh, this hideous looking creature. Oh, who, by the way, was living in a free love orgy shack with nine of his other friends. There were 10 of these people that lived together and all fornicated with each other, including that hideous girl. And yes, that girl is real. That picture of that ugly girl, that is, I thought at the beginning, and I think Nurse Claire, you were kind of thinking this too, that there's no way this yeah. is real. There's no I way that like, chick is, is someone, for real. Is someone yanking us? Uh -huh. is, are you yanking my chain with this? No, the, the ugly girlfriend is 100% real. Um, they're all free love fornicators, living 10 people, all having sex with each other, uh, presumably irregardless of the sex of the partners, because that's usually how those things go. Um, so let's see. Biden gives money to Ukraine. Ukraine and Zelensky turn around and shoot that money to FTX, this fake um, crypto exchange. The CEO then donates tens of millions to Democrat political campaigns. And then, you know, the wheels of the bus go round and round. And then you're back to Biden and, and so on and so forth. Um, and it's just, I, I don't know, I look at this and I could just make this rant every time. But one of the places I go that's really good for um, link aggregation, because Drudge is just a cesspit. I mean, I don't think Matt Drudge, the person, has anything to do with it anymore. But it's completely, it's completely sold out. And yes, I know that Matt Drudge is a sodomite and always was a sodomite. But he was pro-life, which was weird. So, um... But, you know, Drudge, Drudge 15 years ago was useful as a news aggregation site. You can't even use it anymore. A site that is good, that has lots of link aggregation that's good, is Ace of Spades. So you go over to Ace of Spades in the morning and you open that up and you look at their morning link fest thing. And, and you also read the commentary that's being written there. And I mean, at this point... I don't want to be one of those people who thinks that everybody is controlled opposition and, you know, there's, there's a traitor behind every blade of grass and all of this. However, after this last deal, these commenters at Ace of Spades have been, go been going on and on about how this is the end of the republic. These, these elections are clearly fraudulent. They're clearly illegitimate. They're clearly being stolen. And by golly, we really have to bear down and win in 2024 now. 
And you just look at this, and how many cycles have they been doing exactly the same thing? It's all fake. It's all nonsense. I mean, really, I started calling it all as completely fake when Obama usurped. So from 2008, I checked out on all of it. I haven't voted. I don't have any interest in any of that. It's all a fraud. It's all a scam. But these people, it's this... I don't know, it's this pathological or nefarious need to just keep people thinking that, well, we're, we're just going to get it the next time, and we're just going to turn it around this next time. Wait a minute, you just admitted it's all fraudulent. I mean, we're, we're well on the way now to the Saddam Hussein 99.99% um, elections, or, you know, re-electing him for another five-year term. That's what he would do. He, he would have votes. And I want to say that, like, Jimmy Carter would go over there and be a U.N. election observer, go over to Iraq, and, and Saddam Hussein would have his election, and he would win 99.999% of the vote. Huzzah. He gets another five-year term. Look how legitimate this is. And Jimmy Carter would call a press conference and say, look how wonderful this is because, you know, Jimmy Carter. Um, and we're well on the road to that. We've, we've been on the road to that for a long time, in my estimation. What is the deal with these people who in one breath say, it's all Ill illegitimate, this is BS, I'm done, I'm finished with this. And then in the next breath they're saying, so we really have to b buckle down and, and win this thing in 2024. Listen to yourself. What the hell are you talking about? It's over, there are no elections. You're just kidding yourself. And I don't know, I guess I wanna give these people the benefit of the doubt that they're not controlled opposition who are just trying to keep people, who are nefariously trying to keep people you know, focused on the the entertainment bread and circuses aspect of of national level politics, which is what it is. I just I, I guess I want to give them the benefit of, of the doubt and think that these people literally don't know what else to do with their lives, with their intellects, what to think about, what to occupy their thoughts with, other than the farce of of politics. And so they just, they can't, they can't step away from it. They can't look away from it. They just have, even though they know that it's fake, they know that the professional wrestling is fake. They still have to keep tuning in every week and being invested in it. And, and, you know, fighting with other people over it and rah, rah, I'm on this team and buying the t-shirts and doing this and doing that, going, going to the rallies, going to the arenas and, and watching the show. I, I guess that they're just not, they just don't have the, the ability, the integrity, and they have nothing else going in their lives that they think that this is all there is and they don't have anything else. That's, that's the best I can come up with for these people, because if it's not that, then they are nefarious, and their job is to keep the masses maliciously tied to, addicted to, thinking, oh, we're, we're going to get them next time, donate, donate, donate. 
I mean, that's where we are right now. Just there's more people, I think, who are checking out. I see a lot more people, and maybe you guys have seen the same. Um, I've seen people saying things in comm boxes that I've never seen before to such as um, universal suffrage is clearly, clearly not tenable, which, you know, I've been saying this for a long, long time. And people saying, what are we gonna do? We, we cannot have universal suffrage. As we go forward, we're going to have to get to a system where the vote is limited to, say for example, landowners, payers of income tax, combat veterans. I'm not saying I agree with that. Um, I don't think there should even be, I don't think there should even be that much. I think suffrage at all is, um, is asking for trouble. I think suffrage should exist on the, like the neighborhood slash local level. And that's about it. And of course, everybody knows very well my position on women's suffrage. You're doomed. You're doomed if women have the vote, because it's just a matter of time before they'll vote the the corruption and the take care of me daddy and let me murder my own children thing in um as as has just happened over the last hundred years before our eyes the beginning of the end it all was concurrent our lady of fatima women's suffrage founding of the federal reserve and implement implementation of the federal income tax it was all at the same time um so uh, thank you woodrow wilson it all happened under your reign Yep. Well, Edith Wilson. Thank you, Edith Wilson. Because um, Woodrow Wilson was basically John Fetterman pretty quick after he took office. So <sighs> that's another rant. Got these these people that are literally mentally incapacitated. It's not that they're dumb. It's not that they're like Hank Johnson and they think that, you know, the island of Guam is going to flip over if there are too many U.S. Marines on it. That's not even what we're talking about. We're talking about someone who is grievously injured in his brain and cannot think, cannot speak, cannot function, cannot process information that gets gets fake elected and everybody just sits and watches and goes along with this. And of course, it's the same thing with Biden. Everybody knew Biden had dementia during we were talking about how it was elder abuse during the cam, the fake um 2020 campaign. I was like, this is this is elder abuse. What what are you doing? And he and he was he was not doing well in the primaries or in the debates at all. At all. And then just like always, we wake up one day and boom, the he's been anointed. He's he's gonna be the he's gonna be the nominee. Remember when it happened with um who was it? John McCain. John McCain was not doing well at all in the um in the 2008 primaries. He was not remarkable at all. And then just all of a sudden, you wake up one morning and the news media is declaring, that's it, John McCain is the is the nominee. Like, wh wait a minute, he didn't win any of the primaries? What, what What's going on here? Oh, oh, it's all fake. Oh, okay, gotcha. We got, we're going to run him against the Indonesian national who's a CIA asset, asset and his parents are communists and all that. Great. Okay. So we're going to, this is, this is the, this is the guy we're going to run against the, the Indonesian national. Okay. All right. It's completely fake. I'm done.
But look at how far it's come, though, mm -hmm. in terms of the clownishness, <laughs> because even though you knew what Obama was and I knew what Obama was, for all the normies who weren't willing to look too deep beneath that veneer, mm -hmm. he at least came across as well-dressed, um, yes. articulate, you know, he, he may read have that been teleprompter, reading, yeah. I was going to say, he may <laughs> have been reading from teleprompter, but he had it all. He had himself like there was still some um, illusion there. And now yeah. the mask is totally off. I mean, Biden is out to lunch. Fetterman is and no one cares. And and Fetterman, I think, is even worse than Biden because not only is he also brain damaged and out to lunch, but he's a slob. He well, yeah, is he's a running around slob. in slob hoodie hoodies and cargo yes. shorts. Are yes. you are you kidding me? You can't even get dressed. Right. You can't even put clothes on and to run for Senate. Yes. We're done. So yeah. there there's no there's not even an they're not even bothering to keep up appearances at this no. point it's nope. so out in the open and people are still like oh if i just vote harder yeah vote harder <laughs> it's it's laughable now super nerd help us out here can you for those of us i'm i'm not we did an entire series on cryptocurrencies when we started the podcast in 2017 and well, you we, we did through... two or three podcasts in a row just talking about the concept of what is money, because before we even talk about but what is a cryptocurrency, yeah, we we the did blockchain. do we did do one episode on on crypto, well, on, on Bitcoin itself, mm -hmm. but to really have a decent discussion about that, you need to discuss what it's supposed to be replacing and and what money is as a means of exchange and what the qual the qualities and properties of of an actual proper currency are, stability being one of them. But go on. <laughs> well, can you explain to us, um, there's two things that I'm still kind of fuzzy on. What was this FTX? What was it doing? Was it a brokerage so that you could exchange one form of cryptocurrency into another or or, or into, into Federal Reserve or into European currency or, or whatever? What was the What was the alleged function of this thing? notwithstanding the fact that we we now know that it was just money laundering but what were they allegedly trying to be honestly I, i'm not intimately familiar with what uh, ftx was doing i'm going to vaguely paraphrase what um, a friend of mine who has a podcast who's far more into cryptocurrency than i am um he his quick rant was that if you if you buy bitcoin or any cryptocurrency for that matter and you put it on an exchange or some kind of service where the the keys for accessing your the, your 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 assets on on the blockchain, if those are stored by the service, the service can take it. And maybe I should make this clear: if you air quotes, if you own Bitcoin, what you own is a cryptographic key. It, yes. It's it's something that is able to prove that you, you have the ability to cryptographically sign and then um, send bits of, of, of value that are stored on the blockchain to somebody else. You don't own a thing. And there's no reason that you cannot have your own cryptocurrency wallet or even your own cryptocurrency node and, and be your own bank if you're really all into Bitcoin. 
And the Bitcoin maximalists definitely are of the mindset that this is an independence kind of thing. It's not just about this idea of owning an asset, you know, in air quotes again, uh, own, owning something that may go to $100,000 per Bitcoin or whatever. They, they still are, have full faith that, that this is going to happen. But they also believe in actually owning it. So if you were going to own Bitcoin, if you have your own you know, custodial wallet where you own all the crypto keys and nobody else has it, then it's yours and nobody can steal it. If you have all your coins with Coinbase or FTX or Binance or I don't even know the rest of them out there. Those are just three that come to mind. Then whoever runs those services can take your stuff because well, you're- dude, cri- isn't, isn't this exactly what they were trying to get away from? Yes, Didn't, didn't exactly. they just rebuild or, or rebuild or jump in bed with exactly the paradigm I mean, isn't the point you don't want to give your money to a bank, but isn't, wasn't this thing basically functioning as a cryptocurrency bank, a depository institution? I mean, yes, because people are lazy and the idea of, I don't want to run my own cryptocurrency node, or I don't want to manage my own keys because what happens if I lose them? And there are some people who are in theory, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin multimillionaires, except that the hard drive that had the keys in a landfill somewhere and they and, and there were some cases where, where when crypto when, when bitcoin first got to twenty thousand dollars of bitcoin mm-hmm. people hiring bulldozers to try to go open up a part of the landfill where they think that their old computer might have gotten buried because they they realized oh that thing that i thought was worth nothing it, it's it's a it's a file it's just it looks like gobbledygook text basically it's it's a it's a cryptologic key and that's what actually can sign um, an, an authorization to say this is my stuff and I can transfer it now so yeah it the the idea that you can't keep that yourself and preserve it maybe there are some people like that I don't know in, in which case if you're one of those people Bitcoin is not for you and there, there's no there's no harm in saying that I mean owning just stocks isn't for everyone just- either. It just entirely defeats the purpose of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? absolutely! Because I thought I thought the purpose was to decentralize. Yeah. Yes, to have the the, the one of the, the main purpose of Bitcoin was to have a medium of exchange where there was no need for a trusted third party. So, how about we put all of our stuff with a trusted third party who can steal yeah. it all? Yeah, you, you've inverted the whole idea here. And you were asking me before we started recording about, you know, what is this NFT business? Yeah, and well, I, I it was, stands for NFT, non-fungible token. token. Uh, wh- okay, what is that? It's It sounds sketchy. I it, mean, that just sounds sketchy. But please explain what this is and why people are, are doing this and losing their shirts. In cryptological terms, you can... Like I said, you can you can put a signature on a on a device or on on a any kind of digital file, and assert that I am um, the one who 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 signed this. So if you really are curious about this, I have to look up look up again how to do it. I can send an email to somebody signed with a PGP key, and they would they would then look at the contents of of, my, of the text in the, in the email look at the contents of the PGP key and say, yep, the only way that could have been signed is with SuperNerd's private key. And we know that based on looking at the public key. So it, it's a way of establishing, I really sent that. With the case of okay. NFT, uh, so it, it's a proof of ownership. Okay. In the case of NFT, 
the idea is that somebody can own a digital asset. So for example, the very first tweet ever sent on Twitter, I believe was sold for, uh, I don't know how many millions of dollars it was. It was, it was in the millions. I, I think it was single digit millions because Why? I'll get to it in a second. I think, okay. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but it was sold as an NFT and then cryptologically signed so that this person has the key to say, yep, that tweet that Jack Dorsey sent back in 2007 or eight or five or whenever Twitter started that I technically own that tweet. Now you can do this with digital images. You can do this with with, value. It has no value. Exactly. (laughs) It has, it only has value in the sense that somebody can say they own it. And there were a lot of people who bought NFTs for extraordinarily inflated values uh, who thought that this was going to be something like actual art. If you buy, um, you know, if you, if you bought a Rembrandt in the 1920s for $800,000, you can sell it for $50 million now, or and, and yeah. I don't know the numbers there, but it art keeps increasing in value and it, and it seemingly always has, but that's a physical thing. Yeah, you don't have thing. some piece of paper that says you own the original digital image. And that's the thing with all of these NFTs, the digital items, most of them you can just right click copy and say, I've got a copy of the NFT now too. What are you going to do about it? This is what was the point this, of what was the point of owning the original tweet or owning a photo that Britney Spears took with her third iPhone? What's the point of owning that when it's just a digital file that can be copied and recopied and recopied over and over and over? You know what this is? Oh, it's Beanie Babies this, writ large. This is um oh Beanie Babies, yeah, yeah. Um there's a there's a scripture verse, it's from the Old Testament, I think it's Ezekiel or something about the people will be throwing their silver into the streets. That that's what this is. You're you're throwing money at something that doesn't doesn't exist, isn't an asset, has no value even above and beyond how <laughs> but a work of art is a physical thing. It is a physical thing. It the Jack Dorsey's first tweet that that's this is mindless this is madness this is insanity this is i think this is the fulfillment of scripture people will be throwing their silver into the streets and if i understand correctly ftx was one of the places where if you bought these nfts you could store them in your digital wallet and i've read multiple accounts online where somebody gets you know click this link to receive whatever it's it's a standard phishing or spear phishing technique that uh, somebody is being targeted they click a link they get uh and suddenly they find out that all of the nfts they bought are gone they've been transferred because they just accidentally authorized it um bitcoin doesn't quite work that way um i don't know how nfts are able to be swiped that easily but not only is it worthless i mean you're buying something that has no physical reproduction in life at all but are then, there any NFTs that are something legitimate or is it just all stupidity like that? The idea that you own Britney Spears photograph from 10 years ago or something. There's the theory that, for example, if you had, if you acquired, say, for example, um, the baseball that Aaron Judge hit for his second 60 second home run this year, in theory, an NFT can be attached to that. So you can have a non-fungible token attached to something that's tangible and real. 
It's it's similar. What, did, what, what would that mean attached I, to it? Well, I mean, the, the idea being that that not physically attached, but it would be the proof of ownership of that device, of that thing, whatever it is. It's the same idea I think, that I think possession is proof that you own the thing. Well, it's nine remember tenths. possession is nine tenths of the law. <laughs> right. And the NFT is one tenth. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there, there have been the idea of having cryptologic tokens to represent real life things. Um, there, they, there are, um, what do they call I think they call stable coins. So the idea being that they're not bitcoins, that they're, they're a cryptological token that would represent, for example, one U.S. dollar. And I remember at the very beginning of the um, adventure in, in Ukraine, I was trying to figure out how can I buy uh, Russian ruble stable coins because the currency had gone down 80% in right. like the first couple of days. Like, okay, this is stupid. Buy this the is, this yep. is going to go the other way and it's going to go the yep. other way fast. Yep. And I was honestly trying to find how do I, how do I buy a thousand dollars worth of these things and, and where can I do it? And of course, then you're going to get an IRS uh, proctology exam at that point if you actually do it yeah but yeah. um no I, I wasn't able i'm sure that i'm sure it was possible but i'm not named Soros, so I, I i don't have access to things like that yeah. but uh the, the there there is the idea that you can have cryptological tokens that are linked to something in the real world um it just never really made sense it either should be the thing it is you know bitcoin if it has any value it's because people agree that it's worth something and the fact that it can't be inflated that it's allegedly stable yeah. um, well i mean it's it's at the same price right now that it was two years ago but the volatility in the meantime has oh yeah been... it, it went it's, it's at about seventeen thousand dollars right now last time i heard i it, i'm sure it's changed what's the last been time, the high what's been the all-time high Sixty-six thousand. good grief so okay this is kind of in a related vein what is the difference because the new york fed just announced that they're doing a 12-week um, it's their first rollout of the central bank digital cur currency, CBDC. They're, the New York Fed is now starting this. This is obviously where all of this is going. Okay, can you explain to us what is the difference between a central bank digital currency, a CBDC, and the ones and zeros that have lived in all of our bank accounts for you know, how many, how many decades now has it just been zeros and ones, you know, where nobody's taking bags of hundred dollar bills in and out of the bank anymore. What is the difference here? Notwithstanding the fact that every piece of us currency has a serial number on it, mm -hmm. the ability to actually trace the, who owns which bill and who gave it to whom, when, and in con what context of uh, what transaction okay. that, Theoretically, could be done, but it would take a massive amount of um, oversight and demand for compliance. But mm -hmm. if you have something like a digital currency, and Bitcoin can operate this way as well, it, it the, the digital ledger, the the thing that really makes it work is the distributed ledger. It's a form of distributed database. And with a CBDC, and I'm sure all the standards love the first three letters of that. Yeah. Um, any kind of transaction you have with this kind of, you know, digital dollar has a, a record attached to it. So when super nerd spends $29 to uh, pay for another month of clean feed, for example, mm -hmm. that transaction and all of the individual units of currency down to the penny or whatever, whatever uh, 
denomination breakdown they want to have now transfers from super nerds account to clean feeds account and then whatever clean feed does with it to pay whoever they're paying for you know electricity or bandwidth or their their developers to add more features every single transaction they make is going to be recorded in this distributed ledger it's a, it's a database that that shows exactly where things are going well another feature on top of it can be we can decide that a particular user on this network doesn't get to buy and sell anymore. Yeah. We don't like what you said, so we're going to turn off your ability to buy and sell. Or the money itself can be programmable. You know, you can you have, you know, a certain amount of US dollars in your digital account, but you cannot use it to buy guns or ammunition. Or you can only spend $100 a month on gasoline. Exactly. Or you it, can it, only spend $200 a month on food. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's, it's entirely programmable or you've bought too much beef. And that's contributing yeah. to global warming because cows fart or something like that. Yep. Yep. Yes. It's entirely programmable. And in that sense, it is you know, beyond description. It destroys anonymity. The, the idea of an anonymous transaction gone. Yeah. Okay. So even I, I see now how it's above and beyond just the zeros and ones that we all have now in our bank accounts that we access generally using some sort of a plastic card with a chip in it or something like that. It's yeah, like and I'm sure there will be no protection against inflation. Um, it'll yeah. be printed at will, it, unlike Bitcoin. That's one of the nice things about Bitcoin, actually, if you're going to look at it as a potential currency, is at least it, by design, it cannot be inflated. There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins. And I, I don't even know how far they are into the blockchain, but I want to say 2045 is when the last one is mined and somebody gets control of it. But, but that, don't you think, don't you think that when 2045 rolls around that they'll just say, well, like, like Congress does, we have to raise the debt ceiling. We have to raise the debt ceiling. That would require, and they'll, and they'll just keep going on and on and on. That would require the majority of everybody running a Bitcoin node to agree on that and change the source code of it. How does that voting happen? You have to own more than 50% of the Bitcoin nodes on, on the system. It, if you wanted to buy a computer and put it online right now and make it a Bitcoin node, you become a voting member of the node. If you want to buy the equivalent of 10% of it, you know, write your check for a few billion dollars and, and, and do that. But I mean, China was doing a lot of this for a while. I want to say that, or at least the rumor was, they were using a lot of the, the electricity from the Three Gorges Dam to power the operation because it does take a lot of electricity to do Bitcoin mining. Wow. But but to um, it, it's a simple consensus network. So if you have the majority, you can change the rules. The problem is once somebody wants to change the rules and gains the majority, you've also now destroyed any trust in the system. So there would there would be the incentive for everybody on the network not to do that because in the act of saying I want to inflate Bitcoin, you've you've destroyed it. It is oh, no okay, longer I going see. to be yeah. believable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, thank you for those clarifications. And, um, and we're recording this on Friday night and I have, um, scheduled to go up Saturday morning, a repost of this will be the last monetary theory essay that I repost. And I just posted this in June. It's the one about how, um, um, velocity and the money supply how that is and how they need to control velocity 
to control people and velocity is is how dollars turn over. Um, it's specifically it's the number of times that a dollar turns over. Does the that higher, include high frequency trading? Um, that's a good question. That's a good question. Oh, that's a really good question that I've actually never thought about. Um, because I want to say it was you who said that if it wasn't for high frequency trading, what we know in the stock market right now would collapse. Mm-hmm. Well, th that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Hardly any, you know, normal Joes are going down to a, to an Edward M. Jones office and, and trading shares. I mean, this is just, this is unheard of. Money gets put into mutual funds of whatever sort, and then those are those are usually traded algorithmically at this point. It's, it's just, it's awful. Um, so, but I don't know if that contributes to in, I don't see how that could contribute to inflation. I don't think that that falls under the category header of velocity, because if it did, then all of this just absolutely insane churning of the stock markets would have caused inflation to happen because the higher your the higher your velocity your real genuine organic velocity that's what drives inflation and so um well you say genuine organic velocity but wouldn't isn't the velocity a measure of how fast money is traveling through the system and that's typically expressed in transactions buying and selling yes but when that's happening thousands of times a second that's technically velocity happening it's technically velocity, but it's, I, I hope the listenership understands how it's just, it's so different because they're going back and forth. I mean, the high frequency traders, they're in, out, they're back, forth, they're long, they're short, you know, it's, it's so synthetic. Um, and I'm just, I'm just thinking practically, we would have seen inflation for, for, you know, we would have seen the kind of consumer price inflation that we're seeing now, we would have seen that years ago when all of this, when all of this um, algorithmic stock market churning started in earnest. And I mean, it's been going on now for 20 years, 20, maybe longer than 20 years, closer to 25. Um, if so, we had an honest market, yes. If we had an honest market, right. So I'm reposting that essay because because the inflation has increased so much just since the last time I posted it in June that I think people are going to want to see it again and understand this equation and understand inflation because I think a lot of people just thought that the the economy was just going to keep trucking along like it was and it just didn't matter what anybody did how much money the government printed none of this mattered and there, there were politicians, just absolute slack-jawed, imbecile politicians who were literally saying that it made absolutely no difference how much money the government printed, that there would never be any inflationary, inflationary repercussions to any of this. And I think a lot of people got complacent and thought that that, that was the case and that we could we never had to pay the piper for any of this. Now... It's the combination of the consumer price inflation, which is killing people. It's just, it's just going to kill people. And it's, it, it's not even close to being over with. I mean, I think we're, we're getting pretty close to Carter administration levels now 
and it's not even close to being done. It's going to be way worse than the Carter administration levels. And it's also this question of using velocity and the control of velocity to um, you know, have this totalitarian control over individual people, um, as we were just talking about with the um, central bank digital currency, and you can only spend $100 a month on gas, you're not allowed to buy any red meat, et cetera, et cetera, and it'll all be surveilled. So reposting that, and I think that's the end of my monetary theory series, but now they're all sitting there right in order all together on the blog, so that's good. And there's always lots of new eyes. So talking about surveillance and keeping an eye on everybody, something that we've uh, touched on every once in a while, and, and I know you get the emails, I get the emails as well, is is talking about five G conspiracies. And since we're talking about tracking what everybody is doing monetarily, this is as good a time as anybody, any, any time to uh, for me to to throw my idea of what's really going on here. And yeah. when this when it really clicked, what this could be, what this could do. I was actually reading an article in the F-35 and about its uh, radars and sensor systems. And if, if you're not familiar, a radar is just a radio transmitter receiver. That's all it is. And the F-35 over the battlefield, it can, it can look at planes in all different directions. It's a fixed array or it's a fixed phased panel system that it has or active. It's AESA is technically the, the acronym for it. But over the battlefield, it can either use its radar to look for things in the sky or as a communications link. So over the battlefield, it can actually do a 1.5 gigabit per second, you know, like a transmitter or a data link in the sky while it's actually operating as a radar at the same time. And thinking about this for a minute, it's like, well, wait a minute. If 5G is operating at the frequencies that it's going to, which is way up in the, the radar range, and it's using the the phased you know, fixed panel system, kind of like these Acer radars. Is it possible this could actually be used for literally used like a radar? So I start looking at the the uh, looking at the uh, descriptions of the frequencies where five G when it really the real five G when it rolls out, it's going to be up around two hundred to three hundred gigahertz. And I found a study. Um, let's see where was this from MIT? Perhaps I'll have to find out where exactly it is. I'll have the link in the show notes where there was a research study proving out using um, 200 gigahertz range radar to do biometric identification of human beings. By what? It's a radar. Heart, heart rhythm or? Um, no, by the shape of your face. Oh, yeah, it could, also, it, it could also see respiration. It could also see your heart, heart rate. So if, for example, um, a, a law enforcement agent approaches you, and starts asking you questions in the 5G system because it has this ability as a radar can see that your respiration and heart rate goes up. They could mm -hmm. let the officer know that in real time because mm -hmm. it, it, it's a it's a radio transmitter receiver. Whether it's watching you in, in the in radar mode or use operating as a communications link, it could go either way. It could do both at the same time. It's and, like facial facial recognition. Yes, it, it could it could do an identification on an Amish dude walking down the street at night on a foggy night. Wow. So that's what it's about. Okay. Well, I'm I'm wondering if that's maybe what it's about and all of the other theories about what 5G could be doing at the cellular level with with uh, COVID and all this other stuff is nonsense that they want you to think about mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that they don't see what it's really about. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just I'm just spitballing here. I, I look at this and. 
And I, I've never bought the idea that that 5G, just because it's RF, is inherently dangerous. Uh, any radio uh, transmission, radio energy is dangerous if you're close enough to it and it's high enough power. It's, it's uh, mm-hmm. The acronym is SAR. It's uh, Specific Absorption of Radiation. And having been an amateur radio operator for a long time, I know from studying the FCC materials that the human body is most susceptible to radio um, uh, RF energy between 30 and 300 megahertz. That's VHF. We're talking about stuff that's up around 300 gigahertz. So it's way, way up. So if you're right next to the transmitter or it's a focus. VHF is TV, right? It's TV. It's FM radio. Okay. Well, it used to all be right. TV. I, I don't know where they moved it all now. It, the, oh, that's with, right. With, it's not TV anymore. Yeah. With, yeah, with yeah. digital TV, they freed up some of the spectrum under 88 megahertz. And I think they freed up some of the low VHF. I don't know where they moved it all. I, I didn't plot all that, but it it's still, it, it's pretty commonly used. So there's, there's amateur radio uh, use in VHF. Like I said, there's FM radio, um, aviation radio. So, so the airplanes mm-hmm. talking to the airports. Um, maritime VHF. So if you're a boat out on the, on the ocean, that's all VHF. And, and, be, and the reason why that is specifically more likely to be dangerous to a human, uh, scientifically is because the wavelength at which the radio waves, um, uh, the wave, the wavelength that the, uh, of the radio waves at those frequencies most closely matches the height of a human being. And so at those frequencies, the body itself resonates like an antenna. And it will concentrate the energy. If you are close enough, if you're in the right area, if there's enough power, there's a lot of ifs to it. I mean, it's strictly Mm -hmm. speaking, it's not something to worry about. So when, so when I start hearing all this stuff about, we've had all this for decades and you know, right. And so when, when I heard, but it's not, it's not species threatening. No. Okay. No. So when people start talking about the dangers of 5g, it's like, okay, why, how how does this work? I mean, what is it about the, the frequencies of 5g that make it, more dangerous than anything else we've got going on. I mean, cellular phones should be more dangerous because they, they operate as, as far down as 600 megahertz. The original cell phones were 800 megahertz. Most of the stuff we use right now, the stuff you've got in your pocket, 1.2 to 5 gigahertz. Your Wi-Fi is, is probably right next to you in, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Your phone is transmitting it. These mm-hmm. are much lower frequencies than, than these real 5G stuff. But again, it's all about how much power it's putting out and... Um, how readily the human body will, will absorb the radiation. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think from a physical danger perspective of the actual RF, unless you're, and there's, there's a photo I sent you of, of um, from an article of, of, I think it was in New York city. They're putting up all these five G towers. They're ugly. They're hideous. And there was one right outside this woman's uh, apartment. Oh, <laughs> so um, I probably wouldn't want that. But then at the same time, I also don't like the idea of standing right next to a microwave and it's running. And for the same reason. RF energy can be dangerous. I mean, it cooks the food. <laughs> It'll cook you if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, that's that's my thought on 5Gs and the conspiracies and, and my little contribution to maybe possibly what it really is going on. I don't know. It's I'm just like I said, I'm just spitballing this idea. I don't think there's any real danger to the RF unless you're sitting on the transmitter. So, so the, the real problem is the surveillance capability. I think that's, yeah. that's what worries me more than anything else. Okay. Good information. Okay. Makes sense. All right. 
What do you think? We got anything else? Or we? Oh, um, my battery is getting low. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of energy. <laughs> oh, so we need to wrap it up. Yes, I think we should. Okay. The email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, suggestions, comment, what you know about 5G or ideas for how to make Ann's battery last longer. The email address is podcast <laughs> at barnhart.biz. Ann expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors. And there's at least one mass said every single day for all the benefactors. That's a traditional Catholic uh, Latin mass. Mm -hmm. And plus there is a traditional Catholic Latin requiem mass said every single week for everybody who died, whether it was suddenly or not. Please pray for all the priests who are saying these masses and just all priests and priests in general leading in our prayers. And without the work of the community or the communion of saints, things would be far more difficult than they already are. Please don't neglect uh, our friends in heaven and in purgatory. They can help us as well. Don't forget that the Barnhart podcast has a, a benefactress a, in, in heaven, St. Tiny a Princess. Patroness. Yes. Yes. Who is St. Tiny Princess? Who is St. Tiny Princess? Yes. Oh, I've met her. She's awesome. Yeah, yeah I bet you have. <laughs> she, is, she is my daughter who um, we had with us for under a year baptized confirmed and uh she had a, a severe genetic condition she was only supposed to live the doctor said for a few days and she ended up living several months and she was just an absolute blessing a lot of work but a, a big blessing as well <laughs> as kids tend to be but more so in her case and apparently she's um she's quite active in the beatific vision and she's helped quite a few people and interceded for quite a few people so that's don't what I've heard. Be, yep. Yep. Don't be afraid. Saint Tiny Princess. It's okay. God knows exactly who that is. And Our Lady knows exactly who that is. The communion of saints knows exactly who that is. And maybe someday her name will be known. Yep. And and especially during November, don't neglect the poor souls in purgatory. Don't, yeah. don't neglect to pray for them, offer masses for them. There are so many awesome and just um, skin tingling stories when you read about them and just the intercession of the, of the poor souls that, uh, you know, pray for them, develop a devotion, and maybe you'll get a chance to have an experience like that as well. They, they certainly will never be ungrateful for the people who, who do things for them and help them get out of purgatory sooner than later. The Indeed. Barnhart podcast is a value for value podcast, which means if you got something of value out of this, whether it was entertainment, education, or maybe talking about 5G set your mind at ease or gave you something completely different to worry about, if you found that valuable and would like to return some value, please go to supernerdmedia.com. And there will be information there, or there is information there that you, it will instruct you how to send value back. And I would like to thank a few people who did that since the last podcast uh, via the mailbox. Rick says, thanks for keeping the podcast going. Eileen says, thank you. And Pamela says, thank you so much for super nerd or to super nerd and, and, and uh, via Amazon, I received something from Joe, Brendan and Mary. And even though I don't really promote it, uh, I still want to give a shout out to the Texas cattle rancher who is sending uh, sats and boostograms because that's actually possible on this podcast. And um, it, it's not something that, that most people would even know about or care about. If you really want to learn more about it, down, get the Fountain app on, on iOS and Android, and that'll be your intro to learning about that. It is actually possible with the Barnhart podcast to just don't promote it that much. And that brings you to Matthew 1720. Pray without ceasing every day, fast twice a week if you can, for our fourfold intention that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, 
die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision, which is possible, and that Pope Benedict Ratzinger repent of anything he needs to repent of, that he dies in the state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieves the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. Our Lady of Copacabana, slayer of the Pachamama demon, pray for us. Amen. And since Dr. Beep is not here, that means the chore of doing some kind of interesting and entertaining voice falls on Nurse Claire. Yeah, Nurse Claire. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, I, no, 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 no. She doesn't do any funny voices. Yeah, he's got very big shoes to fill. I couldn't possibly... Couldn't possibly do that. <laughs> well, thank you, Nurse Claire. Thank you for coming on and giving us all the bad news. So. <laughs> Sorry. We mm. appreciate your time. God bless you in, in your work and stay sane, okay? <laughs> uh, yes, I will try. All right. Thank you. Well, I guess the thank short you. version then to just sum up what Nurse Claire says is, Don't get the job. Amen. Don't get the jab. Don't get the jab. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless. Yep. 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 Yep, exactly.